Welcome to Inside the Sports Car Paddock on the Marshall Pro Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. We have three guests for you this week. We open after taking a week off with our man Jeff Brown, race engineer for the Core Auto Sport IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Program. Leaving Road America, where the team was indeed quick, conversation with Jeff talking about the unique engineering requirements and I don't want to say trickery, but there are definitely some ways to try and get around the big old four mile Road America circuit that Jeff has figured out possibly a little bit better than some of his rivals. Then we get into K and C rig. This is following up our last episode where we covered four and seven post shaker rigs. So good stuff from Jeff there. Then we move to a dear old friend, old, old friend of mine and a dear friend of the show, Willie T. Ribs, coming off of his victory at the V-Rock event, the Vintage Race of Champions held at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. A unique item here, definitely falls into sports car world, just a new angle for us. This being a vintage sports car race, 60s and 70s American muscle cars, all true race cars from the day. This is something where himself, many other legends and heroes of the sport, IndyCar, sports car racing, Jeff Brabham was in the field, many others. It is legends and heroes of the sport fighting today in old school machinery, old school vintage American iron. Willie T came out on top winning there. Big, big meaning for him. He had so much fun. It's just great to see the pictures and videos coming out of that. So wanted to catch up with Willie about return to victory lane for him it's been a while and in his 60s now you know this is maybe not something that uh, everyone would expect as they have moved away from their regular racing career so fun conversation with willie got an update on the documentary uppity and hopefully when that will be distributed in a wide capacity and then we close polar opposite of willie on a super super high bit of a low But this is also the interesting part of the sport for me with our friend Ryan Dial, who has been having one of the worst seasons, if not the worst season of his career so far with the Starworks Motorsport Audi R8 LMS GT3 in IMSA's GT Daytona class. Wanted to speak with Ryan about this, uh, what's been going on, about trying to persevere through it, seeing if and what options might exist to improve their fortunes. So we're all over the place start off as usual with technology engineering insights courtesy of jeff brown move to a good friend a legend of the sport talking about a victory and then close with insights on the harder the tougher side of the sport with our man ryan Dial. all brought to you by cooper tires and the justice brothers in the latest edition of inside the sports car paddock jeff brown we took a week off last week not because we wanted to but because <laughs> A, you're a very busy and in-demand race engineer, and B, I'm not in-demand, but I've just been really busy, too. Um, So why don't we do a little bit of a recap from an engineering standpoint of the Road America IMSA weekend. Your Nissan Enroque DPI did go quick like a bunny, a little bit of a mechanical issue that did not let you play till the end of the game. But let's talk a little bit about what we had hoped to preview uh, let's do the, I guess, a post view, something like post that. Sure. Uh, talk about the engineering aspects of, of what makes Road America so unique and what you need to try and solve there. And then we're going to close on our weekly tech discussion of 
Kentucky Fried Chicken rigs. We'll get to that in a minute. KFC right. rigs. Uh, right. Road America. Road America. Yeah. Well, we we kind of went there. Uh, what was what's cool is that for me uh, is that the IndyCar race was there about a month, six weeks ago, or something like that. And so because I had done a bunch of IndyCar racing in my career, I have a bunch of friends who do that. So you know, with the help of guys like. Craig Hampson and Garrett Mothershead and other engineering friends that I got, uh, you know, I could call up and say, Hey, what'd you think about road America? You know, with those guys. And so I kind of thought I knew what I was coming to expect. And it turns out those two guys are brilliant and they were exactly right. We, we had a track that was uh, maybe a smidge slipperier than the year before for sure. Bumpier or America had a hard winter last year and we definitely got some more bumps. So we kind of came prepared for that. Um, our car turned out to be pretty quick. We had made some changes uh, setup wise based on some of that information and what we had from past history. Um, the dreaded three letters that you don't like to talk about changed some of the performance of the cars, the, you know, the balance of bakery um, of pastries. Right. Balance of pastries. Right. So we 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 uh, it, it changed a little bit around the, the Mazdas were still super quick and so were the Acuras. And I think we were maybe the next in line and the, and the Cadillac certainly certainly suffered with the added weight that they had. Um, so but Road America is such a different track from what we've been to recently, you know, high speed corners, some slow corners, long straightaways. It's the, it's a mix of everything. So um, and we had we had a pretty good had a pretty good run, like all Road Americas that I think um, IndyCar and sports car. It's a fuel mileage race right from the start. Everybody knows that we were lucky enough to win it last year on fuel mileage. And. Um, I'd like to think the fact that we were the first ones to pull the trigger and stop early this year at road America. And then the very next lap, the whole rest of the world pitted after us. Maybe, maybe they were, you know, my ego is enough to think that maybe they watched us and, and were kind of doing what we did last year to good effect. Um, so it turned out a fuel mileage race in the middle of the race, everybody's saving fuel, um, trying to make it to their windows and it's like, who's going to flinch first. And, um, we were kind of doing that. And unfortunately our gearbox broke, um, which was, which was unfortunate for us, but end of the race was pretty dramatic. I did get to watch that with the Acura trying to pass the Mazda and some really good, uh, depending on where you come down on the thing, defensive driving or blocking, but I thought it was awesome. It was a great race to the finish and Mazda three in a row. So yeah. And the, I saw some folks who were very upset about Tignall's driving on that last lap block quote blocking Dane Cameron. And I can't really argue that I would just say, if you watch the entire race, you might remember earlier when a certain Juan Montoya, in that same exact car did the same exact things to the same exact Mazda. Uh, and I mean, it was almost as if someone had just fast forwarded, uh, or, or pasted that exact exchange and put that at the very end. So that doesn't excuse any actions. I just thought it was interesting that some were really mad about the finish and the lack of penalty there 
to which I said, so, you know, they were inverted and the same exact thing was done earlier. But right. anyways, um, if you don't yeah, penalize I mean, it the first time when the Acura did it to the Mazda, I would say it's at least consistent to not do it when the Mazda does to the Acura in the same exact corner complex. Right. Well, and then for me, it's, you know, this is probably not what Bob Barfield, our race director, can really go by. The rules shouldn't and can't and rightfully shouldn't change based on when it is in the race. But heck, it's the last lap of the race going for the win. Unless it's, you know, for me, that's what fans come to see. And holy smokes, there are a lot of fans. I walked around there um, after our recon lap and the place was packed. I mean, I've been going to Road America since I was this is not an exaggeration since I was five years old because I grew up right near there. And so we're looking at 56 years of me going to road America and I'm getting old and my memory's not as good, but Holy smokes. I've never seen it like that before. What a great event. Really, really fun to be part of lots of fans and, and the race turned out, turned out excellent. Let's shift and close our weekly catch up. My friend, on what I'm just calling Kentucky Fried Chicken Rigs. But no, that's not what it actually is. We Our last discussion was on shaker rigs of the mm-hmm. four and seven post variety. They're not the only type of shaking and rocking and rolling type rigs used in motor racing on the engineering side to learn and prepare to make race cars faster once actual on track, either testing or racing takes place. What are we discussing this week? Well, it's called a K and C rig, and it stands for kinematics and compliance. And that probably doesn't make it any clearer for a lot of people, but it's a machine. You know, the shaker rig we talked about moves the car up and down and simulates the bumps and the road irregularities in the surface of the track. What we're trying to do with a K and C rig is measure some of the componentry of the car in more of a static or slow moving motion. So kinematics are the, uh, as we talk about it in race cars, are the movement of the suspension and what happens to the geometry, the tilt, the camber of the wheels, the toe of the wheels, the uh, movement of the wheel in relation to the shock absorbers, how all of that moves in, in, in numerical form. There's a lot of things called, uh, there's like roll centers and kingpin inclinations and a lot of things that the designers come up with when they're designing the geometry to best take advantage of the grip of the tire. And those are built into the car. Well, once the car is built, you, we like to take the car to the K and C rig and it looks very much like a shaker rig. You put the car up on this, on this, big platform and you attach the tires and you attach the chassis to this rig. And then the rig has a bunch of sensors on it that are placed on the car and you can pull the car down. The best way I can describe it is as an engineer, you would like to know what's happening to the car. Let's say in the middle of a corner and let's take road America, for example, the carousel, the big long sweeping right hander where you're at maximum G. If you could like freeze frame the car in the middle of that corner and see how much it's rolled, how much it's moved, what the angle of the suspension arms were, what the load on all the tires were, 
you could learn something about your car because maybe it's not holding the tire right at the right angle that you want it or things like that. So what the KNC rig does is exactly that. It pulls the car, rolls the car, and basically then freezes it. And it takes all these measurements of the suspension geometry and gives us things like the roll centers, which are important to designers and race engineers, or the steering angle, or the Ackerman, or the anti-dive and anti-squat, and all these suspension parameters that are important to making race cars go faster. Well, it measures that in different characteristics. You can have it pull the car in the same exact attitude as when it dives on the brakes into turn five for Road America. So you can pull the front down, the rear comes up, and you can measure all the loads and everything and see if it's holding your tires correctly. So you can steer the car and do the same thing and see the kinematics or the geometry of your steering and see if you have Ackerman where it turns one tire at a higher degree than the other tire or anti-Ackerman where it goes the other way. And and what's right all depends on what's good for this particular tire and downforce level you have, but at least you can measure it and compare that to other known cars you've run or other setup adjustments. We can change springs and other suspension geometry settings where we can actually move the points where the suspension attaches to the car and then pull it again on the K and C rig and test it. So that's the kinematics part of it. So you don't do that every week, but you do that when you get a new car or you make any major suspension changes to it. And then you understand the geometry of the car much better. The, the C part is compliance. And that's just a fancy name for what bends, what's flexible. So when we pull the car and roll it, we can actually measure what components are bending because we know exactly how far we've pulled it down. Let's say we pull it down 20 millimeters and roll it one degree. That's what the machine does, and it does that very precisely. So then we know what all the suspension components, the uprights, the wishbones, the steering rack, the actual chassis itself, we know exactly how far those should move for an exact roll of one degree and pulling down of 20 millimeters. If that answer, when we put the sensors on and measure that, is different than the input, we know something bent, something is flexing. And you can quickly home in on that with the K and C rig and find out what components are flexing. And that's a great way to like do development. People always hear about car development. Well, you get a car from a designer, that's his best idea, but we're trying to make it better. So if we can find some components that are flexing, we can maybe strengthen them, make them out of different material, um, things like that to prevent some of that compliance or some of that flexing and make our car better and more reactive and make the loads go where we want them. So linear, we'll these- linear is a good word to use here to insert And so obviously every single thing on a race car bends or twists in some way. Uh, it could be the super extra stiff. There might be a trillionth of a millimeter of flex or whatever it is. Everything moves to some degree 
if we're talking about suspension and things that are related to the suspension where they connect to the car and whatnot, we're looking at things on the compliance rig, the KNC rig, the compliance side of it. For someone like Jeff, myself back in the day, all kinds of race engineers, the one thing you want to know is if I am calling for a spring change and I'm going to stiffer springs, but the driver says, well, I'm not really feeling that too much mm-hmm. before KNC rigs, you would not really be able to quantify why, huh? That's strange. Well, if right. you're going to stiffer springs and the chassis is still flexing too much, or maybe the suspension pickup points, a variety of other things you've more or less neutralized your change has been neutralized because the chassis or the components mounted to the chassis are not rigid enough to actually make use of that change. And you're uh, essentially masked a bit. So if in this instance, as Jeff has described, you get a new car, you go through the KNC process, you assign numerical values to items. Tell folks, Jeff, about where there would be a scenario you go, oh, all right, that seems like that's a little bit too much. And if we don't look for some kind of redesign or alteration, boy, this could lead us down the garden path because setup changes might not react the way we expect them to because the thing's twisting, flexing, bending. You're exactly right. And, And there's a lot of cars that don't allow us to change those, you know, homologated cars like our DTI cars or spec cars in a spec series. You know, if you have a pro Mazda or, you know, various spec cars or, or homologated cars, you just can't change it. If your wishbone is bending and you know it, you're like, yeah, great. But now what do we do? We can't fix it. Well, exactly what you said, Marshall, as long as we know that it may dis- it may explain why, rear spring changes never seem to do anything because you can go softer or stiffer, but the rear wishbones are bending so much that it, that overrides anything you can do to your setup changes. So even though you may be boxed into that, it lets the race engineer know, okay, rear spring changes. I'm not going to waste my time there. At least you can spend time at the racetrack on other things that you know are working properly and are linear and are, um, effective based off the KNC rig, because uh, the worst thing to do is spend your time beating your head against the wall, changing where springs. Oh, well, we'll go stiffer. No, nope, that didn't work. We'll go softer. No, nope. maybe we need to go way stiffer. No, nope. and now you've wasted a whole day or weekend trying things that don't work, and then you're confused, and then you think maybe it's something else. And KNC rig can tell you right from the get go. Hey, forget it, dude. The rear springs aren't doing anything on this car because it's so flexy back there that it's just not going to help. And then you can maybe even look at some ways of tricking that. You know, if it's a if it's a homologated car, maybe you can try, um, you know, whatever a different um, shock absorber package or a different anti roll bar package. Maybe that actually stiffens up the back of the car or. Maybe there's some things that aren't homologated that maybe the wishbones are flexing and it's really more at the pickup point and you can do something in that area. So you become smarter from the KNC rig to help you not only redesign the car and make it better, but 
tune it. And most importantly, not tuning things that you're just aren't going to help. So uh, it reminds me when you were saying about things flexing, it reminds me of a quote. And I think it was Mr. Demler from Demler Benz back in the early 1900s. And his famous quote, which I always like, was uh, in the final analysis, all engineering materials are rubber. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, you, as usual, are hopping between flights. You have carved out some time between, I think, your your second stopover uh, today, yeah. whatever it was. Uh, you yeah. stayed over. Um, road we tested. America. Yeah. Yeah, we tested yesterday, Monday, right after the race. Um, you know, we weren't good enough on Sunday, so we stayed over. No, we had it planned in, in advance, but we had a Monday test. It's, it's kind of nice to be able to test on exact race condition track with the same rubber and everything. I mean, we tested all day yesterday at road america in the same conditions we raced on sunday so we could um learn all the things we did wrong on sunday and try not to make those mistakes again and now you can use everything that you learned at the next race at weathertech raceway laguna seca track surface exactly the same just kidding sorry um i was gonna ask did you uh despite the weather being beautiful did you guys actually just uh, throw lots of water and sand on the track to replicate surface grip uh, opportunities at Laguna. Right, right. Uh, not quite, but the number of times that this phrase was used yesterday during our test was, well, yeah, okay, good, that's better, but I won't apply at Laguna. That was often said yesterday. But, uh, you know, it, it's the, the good thing about it is a lot of the things the tracks are very, very similar is Petit Lamar Road Atlanta. Um, Michelin Raceway, is it called now? It's still Road Atlanta to me, but uh, yeah. uh, whatever it is. Yes, exactly. Well, well my friend. America, it applies. So anyway, it's a great test. Smarter, more knowledge, and I'll look forward to next week's installation where we discuss. Who knows? We ask Who you knows? to tell us what you want us to talk about. Jeff has his growing list. I'm making notes. I'm turning my head sideways to read a post-it note stuck to my uh, first of five bookshelves. I'm packing up here with a note that says discuss roll center. And I can't read the rest. I'm going to have to grab it here. Uh, team orders from strategist point of view. So we got Ooh, lots to ones. discuss, but we tend to look to you all to tell us what you want us to try and explore here on inside the sports car paddock from a technical engineering strategy. And who knows what else standpoint jeff brown thank you my friend and i hope the peanuts are good on the next flight and uh they got good coffee for you uh yes thank you very much yeah i can't wait the uh joys of uh air travel are so exciting so um this is much more fun this is a highlight of my day so far so thanks for having me marshall thank you brother is this san jose's finest on the telephone no this is texas's finest oh no come on you, you, you didn't give it up. Come on. Oh, oh, we didn't oh, lose oh, you, did I, we? I, 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 tore my, I tore my card up. <sighs> well, it's been good talking to you, man. Uh, hey, hey, it's just me and AJ. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a good point, I guess. Jim Hall's yeah. in there somewhere, too. Hopefully yeah, yeah. Still. Well, I mean, as far as the, the gruff guys. All right. <laughs> the guys who go into a, into a bar and don't mind fighting. See, 
you might be one of very few IndyCar drivers throughout history that Foyt would not have wanted to fight, which I kind of love. I never thought about that. Um, I mean, he certainly wouldn't win in a foot race. That's for darn sure. Uh, not these days, at least. Well, you dancing on top of a GT style vehicle. Shuffle, I, hey, hey, I did. I The alley shuffle wasn't as pretty as the old days. <laughs> In fact, in fact, uh, uh, I felt like I had rigor mortis in my leg. <laughs> well, having witnessed the Ollie shuffle performed originally back in the day in the eighties with you on top of vehicles. I think the last one I might've, re- I might remember immediately was you on top of a, uh, all American racers, Toyota Celica, I think winning at Sears point, maybe, uh, in IMSA GTO, but seriously, man, I know we're talking about a vintage race and blah, blah, blah. We're not talking about, you know, an IndyCar race, but still I love the fact of not only seeing you win Willie, but just the joy and the outpouring of, it doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter the setting if it's competitive and you had to work for it. Just share with folks what it means to still get into victory lane and feel like you're 19 years old winning for the first time. Well, point one, it was the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And if, if there's any place you want to win anything, uh, it could be a rickshaw race. Um, it's the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And... You know, I didn't feel like I was 64 when I was out there racing Brabham and Bobby Labonte and Todd Bodine, you know, not to mention, uh, and Boris said, and all the great drivers are in the race. Um, you know, it, 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 it's called the race of champions and that's just what it is. Now, older champions, right. You know, uh, it's, but still champions and and it was it, it yeah you 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 lose a lot of when you cross that finish line you you feel young again i did i didn't feel young doing the alley shuffle but i felt young when i when i uh saw the checkered flag and um it was so real. I did. I wasn't emotional at all. Actually, it, it it hadn't set in. I hadn't won a race in over two decades. So, um, but winning is winning, and 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 those guys who who were in the race were definitely bad cats. It's the first time I've seen the winner of a race do a dance on top of the car then ask for some Tylenol to go with their champagne they're about to spray. So I did love that part a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Another thing too, Willie, is there's really strong connection here with the organization that puts on the, uh, the V rock event and this big brickyard vintage event, the relationship you have with the SVRA. And I think more specifically with Tony Perella, that stands out as something fairly special for you. I don't know if everyone knows that, 
but this isn't just a case of you turning up for the weekend, doing the thing, having fun, winning a race and going home. I mean, there's a real, I guess this decade in particular, there's a really strong foundation kind of underlying, but that's made all this possible. Talk a little bit about that. The, if it wasn't for Tony Perella and SBRA, um, I would, uh, I'd still be out the pasture and I would not, it would just, um, I'd be out, you know, driving around, uh, in a, on a, on a mower or a tractor. Uh, and, and it sort of reminds me when, when we were in the driver's meeting, you look around at the drivers in the meeting and it, it, it I, I got this vision of all these old racehorses that were all waiting to race each other mm. that had been that had been pulled out of the pasture and 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 some you know uh, i was nearly ready for the glue factory <laughs> that's being turned into glue by the way listeners not sniffing uh very very <laughs> different use of glue here but so, that's a great point, though, Willie, because this has also become something that you and many of the drivers that you've named sometimes, you know, sometimes are new, you know, legends and whatnot, names, heroes from the past that get added into the event. But this has become an institution in a short amount of time, right? Where everyone looks what, what forward you, to coming together each year for it. Tony uh, Perella has made vintage car racing sexy and relevant. Uh, no one, you know, uh, vintage car racing was almost like, uh, just above, you know, rest home status. <laughs> antique going antique hunting comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, um, so, uh, and, you know, five, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I would have scoffed at it. I, I, and I wouldn't have given it a thought about racing in a vintage car race coming out of everything coming out of high tech racing. Correct. Yeah. And, um, and I tell you, I, I am, it is, it, he is, he has changed, uh, he's changing lives and, uh, and he's at the same time, he's, he's glamorizing vintage car racing like it's never been before and to have have you know it, it, initially it was indycar drivers only right indy legends pro-am and then it sort of uh uh it sort of grew into uh indy legends to vintage race of champions and like i rock of the old days and I mentioned that in the press conference uh, at Indy uh, a few days ago. Um, originally, IROC was International Race of Champions. And it was Bobby Unser and racing Kill Yarborough and Richard Petty racing uh, Ronnie Peterson and Jody Schechter. And uh, it was really 
um, a great show. Well, now the show uh, is um, is been recreated and with vintage cars. Another thing too, Willie, which stands out, and I think the I hate using this word because it sounds New Agey in Northern Californian, but the synergy between Tony's SVRA organization and what they have still somewhat recently acquired, that being the Trans Am series, it is creating something that I'm hoping becomes more popular among race fans for the simple fact that if you can turn up to a race weekend and have modern tube frame insane Trans Am cars battling and have amazing, awesome vintage cars, not just to see in here, but also some really good racing too. I think that's bringing the, the past and the present together in a way that no one else is doing and currently no one else can offer because this is all, you know, really owned and facilitated through one person's vision. You and I spoke, what, a month ago for an article or for a magazine feature that let's do out here shortly in Racer about glory days of Trans Am. I mean, you really are kind of the epitome of someone who can say, I was there when Trans Am was truly an American beast. I'm getting to see it now on track, even if I'm a part of the, the vintage weekend. What are folks missing out on if they're not coming out to see this from the context of someone who truly knows the history of what's taken place? Well, uh, racing uh, is always sort of, it's, it's continued to evolve. It, it, it goes, it's like a roller coaster. If you, if you can understand my analogy um, and as far as the, um, the, the product on the track uh, you've got, you know, you've got uh, the V rock and SVRA and mainly for fans, they're coming out the fans are going to really have a chance to see the drivers they rooted for uh, in the past. Not so the cars are not the highlight uh, of V rock as much as the drivers and the names. And then on the same, at the same weekend, you're seeing uh, a resurge, a resurgence of, of the trans am series. And, uh, all it would take to really blow and all it would take to really blow that up is for the manufacturers to um, have uh, more involvement and then it would really go like the old days. Well, let's close on this. I heard about some documentary made about you. I guess it was something about you being sad. It's called you pity. I'm not exactly sure what it's about, but I've heard rumors of this. You, uh, pity. <laughs> you pitiful SOB. That, that was the original. That, that is at you pity. <laughs> <laughs> All we need to do is put me on it. Exactly. See, look, if I can't be stupid in front of you, then we know the world is wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> can you, uh, can you 
dear Mr. Ribs. Give us an update as to how, I mean, it's been out, you know, we, it, trust me, it, it's been out. We just want more people to see it. Any, uh, any thoughts on when, I don't know if it's a uh, Amazon I'm, prime I'm, Netflix, I'm, what can I'm people see more of it? I'm 90% sure that, that, the uh, the documentary will definitely, uh, be, uh, uh out in public by black history month, February or next year, rather 2020. Good. Because that, that, I, that I'm sure of. I'm sure like you, if I was getting paid per time, I was asked, where is it? When can I get it? How do I get it? When's it going to be available? Uh, we'd both be wealthier men. So, yep. you know, Hey, you know, Hollywood. I was a boy. I was a childhood actor. No, I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. all right. Well, I think we've plumbed the depths of whatever there was to plumb there, my man. So what's next? Any more driving engagements coming up? Is it Theo and his uh, shooting things out of the air and supporting your son? What's uh, the next couple of months like? Theo uh, is at the airport right now heading to Chicago for the second world championship of the year. And, um, And my next gig is in Virginia. I'm leading the, the V rock championship, by the way. Uh, and, uh, I'm, um, I want to see if I can, uh, uh, win the inaugural V rock, uh, V rock championship, SVRA, the inaugural SVRA V rock championship. Perella doesn't even know what he's getting himself into contract next year limo for every event i mean you win this oh. thing is gonna boy it's gonna get well, ugly I, I i'm going to i'm gonna i'm gonna be humble <laughs> wow sorry that was a rousing ovation my body tried to swallow my tongue i had to pull that out to be able to talk uh <laughs> my brother always always a pleasure i I wish we saw each other more but uh, even just by phone here always you know how much i appreciate you and uh i don't even know how many times you've uh, joined us here in the the little little podcast but just need to do this more often because all we do is have fun and we're going to tell some more stories next time hopefully you got to deal give your wife a hug for me and uh and just let us know you know my day brightens when either I have Ryan Dial in front of me or on the phone. And for your sake, it's over the phone. How you doing, my friend? Uh, coming out of a, a weekend at Road America that, boy, I think there was as much effort put in off track to make the Starworks Audi as, as fast as you guys certainly tried to on track. Yeah, well, uh, I appreciate that because I, I don't think I've been... Uh, all that fun or uh, you know positive to to be around in, in recent months. So uh, yeah, we uh, we pretty much threw everything we could at it. We uh, made an issue at Watkins Glen that turned out to be uh, kind of a, a mistake on our part um, within the gearbox. So that's why we were kind of off the pace of the other Audis uh, early on at Watkins. Um, but even if you just take that out of the equation, the uh, the season on a whole has been pretty much uh disappointment would be an understatement for sure that's where i thought it'd be interesting to 
discuss, Ryan, because if we wind the clock back a year ago, we're talking about extreme speed motorsports and DPI and granted last year's race was certainly a bit of a challenge, but uh, at road America, but nonetheless, we're talking about strong running front running for you. You'd really been a, a big part of help making that Nissan DPI on effort, a very successful one, obviously with ESM shutting down during the off season, you and our good pal, right? Uh, Peter Barron got the, uh, the band back together. Peter's had a lot of success very recently with the Audi R8 LMS GT3, working with the land team and just in general, someone who has a lot of experience with this platform. The season has not gone really as anticipated. Curious where we should start on this because there's, we're not talking blame. We're just talking by the numbers. This all should have added up to coming out of the gate strong, a lot of butt kicking, et cetera, et cetera. And as one of the few teams running an Audi this year, seems like there's just a continual search to find something that's not unlocked. Is that at all accurate? Is there something there to find, do you think? Well, I mean, I think back to your kind of first point, you know, back 12 months ago, it's, uh, I think of 2008 to 2018, you know, I've never been in a, a situation where, you know, we've been expected to perform and haven't. Um, I feel like over that 10 years, 10 seasons in sports cars, um, you know, I've always been one of the front runners and I've always been in competitive equipment, or at least if not, I've been in a situation where uh, there's been glimmers of hope. And uh, this on paper was one of those seasons that it all looked that way going into it. I mean, obviously we, uh, we won the Sprint X Championship with this platform, me, Parker, Audi, Peter, and uh, we moved to Ramsa really thinking it was going to be quite plug and play. Um, you know, all the, all the land success that happens in North America, I mean, that car is serviced, maintained, built, rebuilt uh, with Starworks. Um, on race weekends, it is run by, you know, 90% land crew. But, you know, Peter, Peter knows what we're doing. They know what we're doing. It's, it all should have really just worked well. But, you know, there's just too many new variables that come into this season. You know, one was the Evo kit on the car. Uh, obviously coming off of a dominant, let's say, 2018 for this car in IMSA. So we got hit pretty hard at the start of the year performance-wise. Um, and then the Evo kit, I think, combined with the Michelin is is a little bit of our struggle personally, which there's no other place in the world that they run the car with this tire. So, you know, that's probably the biggest single issue we've had is combination of the balance that we have the weight of the car the michelin the evil kit is just i mean we i, I literally said to peter after the race that that was two full stints of qualifying laps with minimal mistakes and we ended up you know almost getting lapped uh and for me i, I said at one point during the race that it was completely demoralizing and embarrassing for a team with such 
huge credentials and experience and results behind it. So we're definitely in a funk. You know, it's it's not. I think it's not going unnoticed, and uh, you know, we're trying our best to be, you know, positive mental attitude on this stuff. But it's uh, it's kind of career crushing at this point, to be honest. There's another, I think, critical aspect to this, which I touched on a little bit. If we look at where the standings are right now, coming out of Road America in GTD, it's Acura P1, BMW P2, Porsche's in third, the two Lexus entries. We have a Lamborghini, we have a Porsche, we have a Ferrari, we have another Acura, we have a Mercedes, we have a Lamborghini, and they're in 12th is the very first quote full-time Audi you guys are a full-time team with how many other full-time Audis in the series Ryan that would be Uh, one of one and so this is not again this is not criticism towards Audi towards anyone but if we're looking at just the numbers game or the experience game we have a lot of teams that have multiple uh, representatives with their manufacturer, something where if we're talking, just gathering data on the working with Michelin side compared to continentals or the aero side, learning all kinds of things to be better brand against brand. It'd be fair to say that in what has turned out to be the lone full-time Audi representative, knowing that last year there were, you know, definitely more, I would say that has certainly added to the difficulties in getting the car to a truly competitive state. For those who maybe aren't aware why that might be the case, maybe explain some of that. Because it's not as if you aren't driving at a thousand percent and young Parker Chase isn't driving his behind off. I mean, it's not a matter of effort. Sometimes it's just, hey, we're, we're not currently winning the information war that would help a manufacturer with multiple cars get to the happy setup place sooner than others. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always something to be said about single car teams having it tougher than multi-car teams. Um, you know, if you look at early on in our particular program, we, we were fairly attached to the hip with land in the off season, uh, through Daytona and Sebring, there was a little bit of data shared, although we run as two separate teams, you know, Peter works for land in Europe, you know, so we, we know a lot of the stuff that goes on. Peter also represents Audi and some of their uh, factory programs at Spa 24, for example. So, you know, one of the reasons that it should really have worked the way we did it as a single car um, is because of that multi-season, multi-series experience that, you know, Peter and the guys in Audi Sport bring to us, but yeah, I don't have the answer. I don't. I don't believe right now there's anything more we can get out of the car. Um, you know, Peter and I were very open throughout the Road America weekend uh, with IMSA. We had Audi with us 24/7. Um, we put on every new part we could. We ran the crap out of the car. I drove my ass off on every set of stickers I got, and we're just not quick enough. So, you know, it's it's a shame because. You know, we feel like we're executing pretty well right now. Our team's pretty strong. Um, but it's what we got. You know, we, we have to 
at this point, we're kind of just waiting to see um, what is going to be done and what we can do different and, and see what happens going forward from this point. It's another really vital part of things, right, Ryan? You are a professional. You're the value of the Ryan DL currency. Yeah, your past experience will certainly keep the value high for a while, but as more time goes on, and it's been a while since your last win, since your last something, certainly becomes harder to stay in that kind of high currency place. Same thing for a team as well. What comes to mind as we look at the final couple of races? You know, IMSA season is going to be over here in two and you know roughly two months, a little over two months. Do you guys just do your best to get the most out of the car that you can to hopefully keep, whether it's a co-driver, sponsors, or otherwise engaged? Do you I'm not asking you to commit to anything here? Just curious on the mindset. Do you say, hey, I don't know if. if if being truly competitive looks like it's too big of a, of a swing, do we try and rent? I don't pick any other model uh, to try it at the next round to see if maybe we, we as a team can get more out of that. Just curious how you go, because I would think just doing the same old, same old might not be the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, no, it's uh, like I said, it's for me personally, um, it's been without a doubt, the toughest uh, battle I've ever faced. Um, holding Montoya off for you know multiple hours of Daytona as a piece of cake compared to this. Um, it's been uh, definitely testing for me, and, and I think the most disappointing thing for me is, you know, I know how uh, I know how it looks from the outside, and um, you know, I wouldn't say that last year was particularly strong for me either. Um, so yeah, there's doubts in mind. I have no. I'm a realistic person. I've always been that way. You know, I'm not one of these people that blow up people's phone and try and sell myself when there's nothing to sell. Um, it's right now we, we have a brand in Star Wars that came into this with high rings, uh, is dropping by the race. Uh, I think both Parker and I as drivers, Parker came in as one of the strongest silver drivers. Everybody expects this pairing to work. Um, but right now the credibility for for the program, Starworks, Audi, Parker, and myself, it's just dropping, you know, by the race weekend. So at some point you have to do damage control and you have to evaluate whether continuing to plug away with the same stuff uh, is the right thing. And I, I can tell you right now, we're not going to do that. I mean, it's things have to change or, you know, why wouldn't we just go on vacation at this point? I mean, it's, you have to either come back stronger or you don't go back at all, in my opinion, because too much damage gets done, uh, especially when this is your your income, your profession. You know, they, you're only as good as your last race, people say, but but your last six, seven races have been a disaster. That's hard to rebound from. So we, we have to wait and see what happens over the next few days. Um, you know, as of now, we're committed to the Audi. We're committed to running it for the season. But, you know, if it makes no sense for us to continue on in general, then it's something we're looking at. It's also fair to say, Ryan, that if we were talking about the Starworks GT Le Mans program, full factory works effort or DPI full works effort, that'd be one thing. That's a relationship with a manufacturer team hired 
to represent them uh, in health or in sickness. GTD, a pro-am class, just like LMP2. Uh, if you all were running, as we've seen, say, the Liget chassis, the Liget P2, the Areca has demonstrated to be the more successful. You might consider trying the Areca if that's what got you closer to victory lane. Being a pro-am class, although there are certainly uh, manufacturer relationships, some much stronger or much more involved than others, but ultimately this is a choice-based class where you can, if you choose, try something else because at the heart of what you're doing, it is a team trying to succeed compared to a factory effort. It's another thing too, which it might, I'm probably making it sound easier than it is. Uh, there's also cost involved too, right? I bet you guys wish you had one of each model <laughs> and based on the track you went to, you know, we think this one might be best suited. We're going to roll this out this week. I mean, the, the complexities here are serious. Yeah, I mean, we, we're a privateer team, as, as are most of the GTD teams, um, which does give us, you know, the luxuries to start and stop. Um, obviously, we took a couple of races off there back-to-back. Um, when we never had, basically, the tools in our toolbox to fix the car on the road to Watkins Glen, we opted to miss Mossport, and then it just kind of rolled into missing Lime Rock. Um, you know, that being said, we don't have any issues with Audi or, or the brand or the chassis. It's a, it's a known winning combination. It's just, it's not winning at IMSA. You know, there's, there's so many ways we can say it, but, um, it's not that we have any problem. We are, our relationship with Audi is good. We had Audi support, uh, 24 seven throughout the past few weeks. Um, we've had Audi guys come into our shop. We've had Audi bringing in spare parts. We've had parts flowing in. You know, there was parts driven in from Detroit just on this past race weekend. So, you know, we're, we're in it as a partnership. And, um, you know, Pierre has a long relationship with them. You know, I'm a bit newer to the, the scene. But, you know, this is this is what we all get into bed to do together. And uh, we're uh, I feel like we're all doing our best job we can. Talking about Peter Barron, Ryan D. All getting into bed. Uh, not sure you know, if he's painted his. Come up, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a foundation of this relationship dating back more than a decade. Well, yeah. as you know, there there are a few things I enjoy more at a sports car event than watching you in something fast on maximum attack. I do look forward. And I'm sure your fans and sports car racing fans in general look forward to your ability and the team's ability to get back to that because that's why we come here, at least for those that aren't running the teams, for everyone else that comes in, that's what we want to watch. You just going absolute psycho along with fellow psychos, Andy Lally, Spencer Pompelli, Patrick Long, and on and on and on. That's what we come to watch feels odd that we haven't had a chance really to see that this year but it is really good to hear that there's universal commitment whether it's from the Audi side the team side whatever everyone's working towards rectifying that situation so hopefully future conversations my friend are easier and lighter and just simply about the fun and joy of being a race car driver well that's that's a funny I've always went into this uh, business 
uh, understanding we're in entertainment and you know with me entertainment comes from having a good time and it's definitely been difficult uh, you know getting to this point but um, you know one of the things that we definitely want to recognize fans Ryan fans Parker fans our Audi fans I mean if uh, it's been pretty amazing actually of, of all the seasons I've never realized how many people are actually you know behind you doing this stuff so it's uh, very much appreciated and we hope we can definitely get things back to winning ways so that you know people can uh, actually cheer for us uh, rather than cheer us up.